0: remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. With the holy spirit and deep conviction you know how we lived among you for your sake you became imitators of us and of the lord for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the holy spirit and so you became a model to all the believers in macedonia and Achaia. the lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Verse 9. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come, the coming wrath. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless Pastor Dan now as he comes to bring your word to us. Please give us receptive hearts, receptive ears. I pray that you bless his speech. I pray that you bless um, yeah, your word. Thank you for, for speaking to us and not leaving us. to walk aimlessly. Help us, Lord, to be hearers and doers of the word. Amen.
1: Um, now, I've got a few left. But if you weren't here last week, um, feel free to grab one of these. Um, it is 1 and 2 Thessalonians. We're going through 1 Thessalonians at the moment. And it's an opportunity for you to write on a Bible and not feel bad about it. So um, if you would like one of these, I'm going to maybe not put them here because then people feel awkward coming up. So in fact, just maybe put a show of hands if you'd like one. I've got about six left. Brilliant. Um, but we think it's really important here at Oikos that we are in God's Word and that we have it in front of us and that you check what I'm saying as well, um, so that it's not just me talking rubbish. I believe it is biblical, what I'm saying to you today and each and every week, I pray. Um, but do keep that open. Um, last week, we didn't get very far through Thessalonians. We got through the first one. This week, I'm not sure we're going to get much past verse two, but we'll see how we how we get on today. Sam, do you mind just stick on the, not the next slide, but the one after? in fact go back so um, the reason we're studying 1 Thessalonians is because um, it's a church that Paul lasted three weeks basically about three weeks to a month he was there before he got ousted he had to leave not ousted from the church but ousted from the city of Thessalonica a common theme in in his ministry Philippi gets chucked out of there moves on to Thessalonica thrown out of there for preaching the truth of the good news of jesus christ and jews and greeks were coming to faith and so we're at this place where um he's he carries on his journey ends up in corinth and he's like how is the church in thessalonica going i love them dearly it seemed like that the gospel that had, had gripped them but i'm not sure how they're in four weeks i haven't even been able to establish much there and so he sends timothy timothy comes back to him and says you're not going to you're not going to believe this paul but they are going so well they are doing so well. They are faithful. And that passage we just heard read, their faith is being known across everywhere. For their faith, for their trust in Jesus. Isn't that incredible? That's I want to be known for my faith in Jesus. And that's my prayer for us as a church. I want us to be known for our faith in Jesus because we trust him in the midst of whatever's going on. You know, Paul's left, he's been persecuted and he's had to go and then the same is going to be happening these believers there and yet timothy comes back and says man they doing well the gospel has come with power and got me thinking like, i did an essay about oh, 18 months ago my last essay for the course i was doing and it was a nice essay it was a book review and it's a book review of god smuggler I don't know if you ever read that by brother andrew it's quite a famous book um, Open doors started from his ministry there. And Brother Andrew was a Dutchman who, when he came to faith, he surrendered his whole life to Jesus. And he said, Whatever you want me to do, I will do. And the Lord put a, a verse on his heart. It's from Revelation 3, verse 2. I'll read it this way Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Wake up and strengthen what remains. Like, yes. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And he was being called to go behind the Iron Curtain. This is post-war, 50s, kind of early 50s into the 60s. He was, he was called to go into those areas. And when he went there to, to do a visit, he found that there weren't, people didn't have Bibles. Not everyone had a Bible. They couldn't get hold of them. In fact, they were contraband. They were not able to, you weren't able to have one in, in many of the countries that he went to. So when he came back, he was like, I've got to go there. And so he applied for a visa, said, I'm a missionary, and I'm going to go to these countries and, and bring Bibles, bring the word of God there. And guess what? Visa got denied. But he's like, God, you want me to go here, so you've got to work. You've got to do something. He couldn't even drive. And he knew he would have to drive to these places. He couldn't drive, so he learned to drive. didn't have a car, didn't have any money, was from a poor family. And a wealthy family in the, in the town where he grew up said, God told us some time ago that when you pass your test, we're going to give you a car. And this is the car they gave him VW Beetle. Anyone ever had a VW Beetle? Going your there, guys. But <laughs> the old one, sorry. No. Um, yeah, my. I mean, brilliant cars, aren't they? Lovely cars. But um, that's what he got given VW Beetle. And he would drive um, to the borders. He'd have a visa. He'd go to the borders. And his car would be searched. They would search cars at the borders. And so he said this prayer when he turned up. They said, "Lord, when you were on earth, you made blind eyes see. Now I pray, make seeing eyes blind." Guess what? They didn't find the Bibles. So the next time he went, he thought, "I'm going to quite put God to the test." Maybe put God to the test. He left his Bibles out on the front so that they could see them. Prayed the prayer, and guess what happened? didn't see the Bibles. They let him through. He was a man of great faith, a man that knew God had a call on him and wanted him to do something. He did his part, applied for the visa, passed his driving test. The Lord made a way. The Lord made a way for him. He wanted to strengthen churches. When he got there, he found, as I said, churches that, that not everybody had a Bible. In fact, he went to one church where the pastor would have it for two hours a week to prep his sermon, and then they'd give it to different people in the church. They could have two hours a week with the Bible so they could read God's word. He took millions of millions of Bibles into these places. And it's a growing, obviously, Open Doors is still going. um, And there's a great follow-up to his book about when uh, when they go into China and take millions of... Bibles there, so I recommend that read as well. But he was obedient and he was faithful and he was expectant of God's word. And then he saw a people that needed strengthening. People that loved Jesus, but they needed strengthening. And we see Paul when he starts these churches and goes on these um, yeah, goes to these different cities, preaches the gospel, starts these churches. His heart is he wants to strengthen the church. He wants to strengthen the church. He writes these letters to strengthen the church, strengthen us. Even now, 2,000 years later, he wants to strengthen us with what he's going to tell us, he's going to tell them. And we see that, if we've seen this passage, that the gospel had come with power. Paul, Silas, and Timothy were preaching with the power of the Holy Spirit, and it was received with the power of the Holy Spirit, and these were genuine, faith-filled believers. They'd taken hold of it. They'd really grasped it within three weeks. Grasped it, there's much they didn't know. They trusted that the Lord was going to keep them. Paul's writing to strengthen them even further. So, as I was reading this, and I just got stuck on verse 2 and verse 3, really, and it says this We always thank God for all of you who continually and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He mentions three common Christian virtues that he mentions in his letters. He mentions faith, love, and hope. But in this letter, he adds something else to it, doesn't he? Works produced by faith. Work produced by faith. Labor prompted by love. Endurance inspired by hope of Jesus Christ. And as I was preparing this, um, it has really struck me this week, and um, it's been quite—you uh, know—when the Lord's speaking to you, and you don't really want to be spoken to in that way, in that area. What happened? And so, and my points today are more like prayers. If you want to join me in a prayer, we've got four prayers today, hopefully that we'll get through. Which is prayer number one. Let's pray that God strengthen my faith. Be one that produces work for you. Faith, let my faith produce work for you. And I just want to caveat this by this is not works righteousness. This is not I have to do these works to be saved. This is out of my faith in Jesus, out of the work he's done in my heart, out works in me doing work for the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? I just want to caveat that. This is not I have to do these things. This is out of my faith and my love for for Jesus work to produce that faith so faith is believing in something or someone quite a common definition of it and paul's talking about faith in jesus what he's done for us on the cross and what that means for us the gospel of jesus christ but faith is more than just believing something it is more than just um, a set of beliefs that you may hold to and you may be able to say and sometimes we read the nicene creed don't we that's great it's great that we do that and we affirm that but if it just stays there Faith is when a set of beliefs change our life in the here and now. What we believe in Jesus Christ, what he's done for us, changes us in the here and now. That's the faith that I want to grow in. The faith I want us to grow in as a church. Knowing the reality that God has done something for us, he's changed us, and he's changing our life in the here and now. Belief that makes a difference in the here and now. Otherwise, what's the point in faith? Often we see in this world, don't we, some people we might have faith in our pension or in money. And so our life then, we believe that money is going to make us happy. We put our faith in that. People do that, and we do that from time to time. It's a belief that we have that it's going to do something for us, but ultimately we know that all of the f- faith in anything else is just going crumble. We put our hope and our belief just in, Money might make us happy for a while, but at some point it won't. We put our faith in our families, our children, achieving what we want them to achieve. When they don't, what's going to happen? Doesn't it? But a faith in Jesus, faith in him, can make a real difference in the reality of our lives in the here and the now. Faith always produces the work. James says in his letters, faith, Without work, is dead. Faith without works is dead. Faith without a work in Jesus is dead. They don't want to have a dead faith. So we see in the Thessalonians some things that their faith is producing. Um, where's my. Uh, my i Bible here. But we see some of the amazing things that are happening. What do we see in here? We see that they are um, in the midst of severe suffering. What do they have? Joy. Their faith in Christ is such that even in the midst of severe suffering, they have joy. Odd, isn't it? We see that their faith, they've turned from idols to serve the one true living God. They've turned away from the things that they've... Worshipped before that have had a hold over them. Said, no, that that they are they are nothing compared to the glory of Jesus Christ. I said no to those idols and turned to the one true living God. And their faith is known everywhere for that. Not just in Macedonia and Achaia they've become a model to all those believers, but it's become become known everywhere. Isn't that incredible? What a faith it must have been. What a faith that was. We see here a work that's produced by faith in the Thessalonians that was working out during their suffering, during opposition, during the hard things in life, during the anxieties, during the things they can't control, and they were responding with works that came from their faith. They were responding in a godly way to those things. So maybe just write this down. I think it should on the screen on the next one, and I found this really helpful. It's the love of God in the past produces faith in the present that he keeps his promises. The love of God in the past keeps His um, produces faith in the present that he keeps his promises. And we know the truth of the word of God and his promises, and we experience those in our life it makes a difference in the here and now. It really does. Think Brother Andrew. The gospel comes on to him with power. He says, right, Lord, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do everything for you, whatever you want me to do. And so he goes, he applies for visas. Lord, I need a visa. I'm going to apply for it, but I need a visa. You've got to make it happen. I'm not getting them. And what does God do? He makes a way for him because it's what God's will was for him. I don't have a car. I passed my test. I don't have a car. What do I do? God gets him a car. I can't get across the borders. I've got Bibles on me. God makes a way. And each time he's, he's producing a, he's seeing how God is acting and experiencing how he's acting in, in, um, and he can remember those times. He can look to those and say, God's done this before, so when I go back, he's going to do it again. If he wants me to go there, he will make a way. If that's his will, he will make a way. And his work of his faith was obedience. I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out and I'm going to do it. I don't know how, God, but you're going to have to meet me there. And so it got me thinking, what works is my faith producing? What works for the kingdom of God um, is my faith producing? And I, I'm going to confess, this is why it's been such a hard week. This is why I've not particularly enjoyed writing this sermon <laughs> at times it's been great in many ways, but also really, really humbling and really convicting. And I just want to be clear: I'm not sharing this because I want you to be like, oh, I feel sorry for Dan. Here's the violin. Feel sorry for me. Not at all. But I feel I want to be honest with you. That um, there have been a number of things that I found challenging in the last week or two, but especially maybe even a, over a longer period of time than that, a number of things that I found hard. And sometimes they they tend to be around, and my DNA group will know this, around finances and the law's provisions. Whether that's for me personally, our family, or the church and the cafe and so forth. And I had a bit of a pity party last week. It's, in fact, it was after I preached last week, I saw Jez, and I had a bit of a pity party on him. And he was great. He was so loving towards me. And, and he just, as I was and like pouring my heart out, he just said to me, he goes, Dan, it sounds like you're not being grateful for how God has provided for you over the last five years came into the ministry. You're you're still going. He's provided everything for you to get to this point, and he will continue to do so. If this is his will, he will continue to do so for you. He said Have you tried writing a list of all the ways in which the Lord has provided for you over this last five years. And as I wrote a list, it about an hour, because there were literally hundreds of ways that obviously the Lord had actually been, had been at work. that he had provided things that I'd forgotten about, things that I'd neglected to even think were of the Lord. He, he had provided miraculously at times. And as I started to do that, it strengthened my faith. It really strengthened my faith. But then it also troubled me to think that a lot of my works have not always been out of a place of faith. I just want to be honest with you. Sometimes uh, the works of my faith have been anxiety. God have got, Lord? Sometimes of the works of my faith have been, I need to control this, and I need to make sure I've got this sorted. But, maybe you can empathise with me. Um, feel free to rebuke me as well. Um, but as I looked at the, at the promises of God that he would always provide, and he has done, maybe not exactly how I would say, I want you to provide like this, but he has provided, this is not name and claim it, wealth, prosperity, gospel. This is not, I'm going to be wealthy, I'm going to be wealthy, I want to have all this. Not, not at all. That's not biblical at all. But, but there is something that as we see the faithfulness of God to keep his promises, in the, and we've seen it in the past, in the present it builds up our faith. As we hear stories from one another of how God has been at work. as I've heard those stories this week from two or three individuals about how they came to faith and how the Lord has provided for them. In the midst of that, courage, my faith, because God is at work. And it produces, and what he wants to produce in us, the work he wants to produce in us is obedience. Obedience to him. We step out in faith for him. He will meet us there. He wants us to be obedient. What ways is he calling you to be obedient? I know for me, it's trusting that he is going to provide my family, this church. I know that. That's what he wants to do. You can remind me of that. When I'm sweating, and just like you re- need to remind me of that, staff team Monday morning. That's what we're going to remind each other of, and, and maybe we need to remind each other of that and ourselves of that. What is what is God wanting you to do in your faith? Grow that work of obedience. Where, what is He wanting the outworking to be? God that works in us. God that does it. Who is it that Paul gives thanks to? Paul gives thanks to God for all these things that are going on. If we turn to him, God wants us to walk in obedience. He wants the outworking of our faith to be increasing obedience to him. It's like we've seen in Brother Andrew's life. Oh, that was a very long prayer. God, strengthen my faith to be one that produces work for you. But then part, prayer two. God, strengthen my faith and help me endure now as I hope in Jesus. Help me endure now as I hope in Jesus. Because we've said the love of God in the past produces faith in the present, but but the hope of Jesus' return in the future also brings faith in the present. It's a bookend, past and future. It means we are completely kept by him in the present. If we look to the past, we look to the future in the present week. I'm not going to go into too much detail about this. I, I did preach on this um, maybe a, a few months ago um, about the end times and everything that we looked at there. But what I do want us to just touch on briefly is just the difference it makes when we trust in the future hope that we have in Jesus Christ, when we live in that reality, when we live in the light of eternity. It our faith now. We know... Nothing that happens to us. Severe affliction. Hard circumstances. We know that we have an eternal perspective. We have something. We have a finite life, this much here on earth, compared to eternity with Jesus Christ. Hope of Jesus is returning. He is returning. He will one day put an end to all this suffering, all this pain, all these tears. And whatever's happened. In your life, there is hope. What is to come? And Paul does this at the end of every chapter in one Thessalonians. How does he finish the chapter? Have a look. Have a look at the end of each chapter. Chapter one, he says, and to wait for the, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. End of chapter. Um, towards the end of chapter three, for what is our hope, our joy, and our crown? which we would glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Chapter 3, may he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of your God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Chapter 4, after that, we who are still alive are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, live with him forever. I mean, do you think he's trying to tell them something? Where should their hope be? Where should their focus be? Eternity. Because if we focus on the here and now, what's it going to lead to? We just focus on this life. It's going to lead to our hope and our idols being fed, our focus being on that. Whereas we look at the genuine faith of these believers. they, They have turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. Have you turned from your idols and are you waiting for Jesus to return? Turned away from those things and said, I can't wait for you to return, God. Those are nothing in, cons- in comparison to the eternity we have with you. We want to endure the difficulties that happen in this life. God, remember the promises in the past. How he has been at work. How he has been at work in your life, in the lives of others. The hope of Jesus. Can, and it's not just a hope, it's, it's a sure hope not even just a hope this happens. It's a sure hope it is going to happen here and now. And I just remember, some of you will know Bill Cox. Um, James, who comes to the cafe every day. His dad, Bill, is 94. And he's a man of great faith. And pretty much everyone in Erdington knows Bill. He hasn't left his house for a good while, apart from hospital trips. And he's a man that whenever he ends up in hospital, all he does is tell the doctors and the nurses about Jesus. So when he gets ill and he goes to the hospital, he's like, brilliant. Tell a few more people about Jesus. And through the different challenges he's had in his life, he's loved the Lord all the way through it. And when you speak to him and you sit with him, he, he is so excited about heaven. Like, you'll take me when you want want to, Lord, but I can't wait to go and be with you. It's far better. While I'm here, I'm going to be your servant. His hope in the future is so secure because he's seen what God has done in the past and what he's doing in the present, and he's so sure of the future. He can't wait. God's Strengthen my faith, as I hope in Jesus, inspires endurance in me now in this life. Father, please help that. Help that for us as a church. Thirdly, my third prayer was, God, strengthen my faith to labour out of love. Strengthen my faith to labour out of love. He says in verse two. Sorry, verse three. He says, your labour was prompted by love, and the word labour is kopos um, in the Greek, which means labouring or toiling this idea of toiling in the act of loving to the point of weariness, sweating, and fatigue. Have you ever loved to that point? The weariness, even sweating, the fatigue. See, what he's seeing in this group of Christians is a genuine love that goes all the way with the distance in exhausting their love for one another. Think about Jews and Greeks, people from different cultures, who've been in the church together, they would have had to have exhausted their love for one another to love one another, if that makes sense. get to know one another, to, to learn differences and so forth. And yet they were exhausting their love for one another. I mean, that has really challenged me this week. How does our love look for one another? Is it exhausting? Maybe at times it is, but are we... Are we? made for me, you're probably, your love is probably exhausting for me at the moment. But, um, but, but for people that might be different, people we don't maybe necessarily click with, are we exhausting our love for one another? Are we still pursuing them? The last thing we want in a church is clicks, isn't it? Groups of people that just stick together. We, we want the whole church to be united together, no matter who we are, where we're from. Is there a way in which you could exhaust your love for someone else this week? After all, as Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, it says, love is patient, love is kind. Next one, please. It it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. How do we Love. God first loved us. Showed us what love is. Maybe just a challenge for us this week. Is there somebody this week that we can maybe exhaust our love? Towards? It might be tiring for us, it might be um, putting us out of our comfort zone. But is there someone we need to show that love to this week? Ask the Lord to put them on your heart. But just to finish with, very um, very quickly, is that how where do we start with this? Where do we actually start with this? Well, we'll prayer, first and foremost, but but faith starts by surrendering everything over to God. Faith starts by surrendering everything over to God. Mike Howell, author of a commentary on 1 Thessalonians, says this. He says, there are two great days of independence for a Christian. Day one, first day, is the day they meet Jesus and are set free from the penalty of sin, the day they come to faith. The second day is the day they surrender everything. Sometimes that happens on the same day. Anything like my story, it took time and it's still taking time in certain areas of my life. But if we're going to be faith-filled of works coming out of our faith, works that God has prepared for us beforehand, we have to surrender all can't keep anything back from him. It's really hard, isn't it? a bit of my time. A bit of my home. A little bit of my, my money. Just want a bit of control. Me and Nikki were laughing the other day. We were trying to encourage each other. And um, uh, what did I say to her? Said something what did say something you could. I Return to me the joy of... Uh, so, I to encourage her, return to me the joy of my salvation. I said to her, uh, what did I say to her? Return to me the joy of your salvation, is what I said. So let's remember the salvation that we have. Then Nikki said to me, she goes, isn't it funny that sometimes I think that actually what I say is, return to me the joy of my control. Return to What I'm praying really is, return to me the joy of my comfort. Return to me the joy of my bank account. We have to surrender all those things over so we can say, return to me, the joy of my salvation. Hope that is to come. What stops you from surrendering? What is stopping you from surrendering something over? Is there something that you haven't fully surrendered over to Christ? I want to encourage you, you and to have a little bit of time now um, around tables. So if you've not got many people on your table, let's join up and make a bigger table. Um, but a couple of things I want you to think about. Um, where do you need strengthening in the working out of your faith, laboring in your love, endurance inspired by hope? So an area that you need strengthening in? Secondly, what is the Lord prompting you to surrender? There is always going to be something that we're called to surrender. We've not surrendered as much as we thought over to God. There's always going to be that call. Is there something that's asking you to do that? Maybe that second one's a little bit more... Personal for you to go away and think about, but is there an area that you need strengthening in, in the working out of your faith, a labouring in love, endurance that's inspired by hope? Do you need to look to the future? You need to look. Jesus is returning, that's sure. You need to look to the past. Promises. Maybe we can encourage one another. Where has God been at work in the past? And I'm excited about. Don't mind Sue. We mentioned this while you're out, but Sue's birthday on Saturday night is an evening of sharing testimony. Not just in the, celebrating Sue, but a time also bringing testimony of how God has been good, how we've seen him at work in our life. Let's start that conversation now. hearing. So we'll just have maybe five or ten minutes around tables doing that. So you've only got three or four on your table, maybe join up with another table. Have a bit more. People on the
0: side, feel